Deuteronomy chapter 29 and verse number 21. Three verses of Scripture here. It says this, And the Lord shall separate him unto evil out of all the tribes of Israel, according to all the curses of the covenant that are written in this book of the law, so that the generation to come of your children that shall rise up after you, and the stranger that shall pass from a far land shall say, when they see the plagues of that land and the sicknesses, now notice that word sicknesses, plural, more than one, which the Lord hath laid upon it, and that the whole land thereof is brimstone and salt and burning, that it is not sown, nor beareth, nor any grass groweth therein, like the overthrow of Sodom and Gomorrah, Adma and Zeboam, which the Lord overthrew in His anger and in His wrath. You may be seated. I want to share with you tonight, and I want you to notice out of those three verses of Scripture that we read tonight, I want to get the text from verse number 22, and there's four words there. And it says this, I want you to pay attention to these four words where it said, where Moses wrote these, and it said, the generation to come. And I want to preach around that thought tonight just for a little bit concerning the generation to come. And I want you to think about this, and I know uh, that Moses had written the first five books of the Bible. I know that Moses writ, had wrote uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And I believe that uh, we understand that the book of Deuteronomy is, it's been said that it is uh, the book of remembrance. It's a book that, and I believe that Moses recalled a lot of things that, that had happened to the children of Israel. I believe he recalled a lot of, a lot of the, the, the miracles and a lot of things that God had worked out and done in their lives. And not only that, I believe that Moses had recalled a lot of the things that the children of Israel had done that they had no business doing. It, he recalled a lot of their sins and a lot of their failures and their shortcomings and their faults. And, and, he's re, and I believe that Moses is addressing those children for the very last time. And I believe it's not very long from these, from where Moses is, is addressing these children here that it's going to be just a short time that Moses is going to go up on the mountain and God is going to take him and deliver him, him home. He's going to go up there alone. And I believe the Bible says that God allowed him to view that land that he wasn't able to go in. But God let him look out across that great valley and see the land and God took him home to be with him. But... I want you to notice this. I want you to notice from verse uh, number, you'll, you'll find from chapter, I believe it's ver, uh, chapter 23, right on through to uh, chapter uh, 32, I believe 31 or 32, you'll find that Moses accuses the adults and he shows the adults several things that they had done that had uh, caused hurt and pain and shame upon them. And, 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 and I believe that he's, He's showing them that, that they've made mistakes and they've done, they've done this and they've done that. And I, I believe He's showing them that we've messed up basically for the generation to come. There's some things that we need to get ironed out so that the hopes of the next generation to come will be bettered for it. Now you think about that. I, and I want you to notice this. Look in verse number 23 
with me if you will. And it says this, and that the whole land thereof is brimstone. Now, do you know what brimstone is? I, I got to looking at that and, and, and studying on brimstone a little bit and, and it's nothing other than, than sulfur. And when it burns... It, it, it'll, it, it turns into a gas and it's heavier than air and it'll fall down to the ground. And when it hits the ground and maybe comes in contact with any type of moisture, whether it be a rain or whether it be dew or whatever, it turns into an acid after it comes in contact with the moisture. And then in return what it does, it strips the land of vegetation. Then notice this. He said there in verse number 23, he said, and salt. You know what salt does? Salt will draw the moisture out of the ground. And it will strip the land from all vegetation. Notice this in verse number 23. He also says, and burning. Now you know if you set a a blaze to to your crops, what's going to happen? You're not going to have nothing to come. You're not going to have nothing in the future. You're not going to have nothing come harvest time. So I believe what Moses is trying to say, I believe that, that he's trying to warn the people and show the people that, hey, we because of our rebellion, because of our uh, neglect of God on our heart and our lives, because of that, because we've, we've neglected God and we've turned our backs on the things of God and on the ways of the Lord, because of that, he, God is going to bring these things to the land and now because of our rebellion, the generation to come is going to suffer. You think about it and how important it is that this generation that we're in right now, that I'm in, ought to be spiritually concerned about the generation to come. And how it's my responsibility and it's your responsibility to make sure that the fields are plowable. Make sure that the soil is tillable. Make sure that the soil is fit that we might be able to plant uh, seeds and see the fruit come. Now you think about that. And I, I believe what that, what that is. I believe that that soil is simply this. That's those little children. You think about we've got to prepare, make sure that the little children are ready, make sure that we throw out the seeds in hope that there'll be fruit to come in the generation to come. Now you think about that. You think, I, I believe, you th- I, I, I'm convinced tonight uh, we've seen these young people that come up front and we see there was, I counted at least seven that was here tonight that didn't uh, come up front. But we're thankful. I believe that God has been good to Union Valley. Thankful that these young people come. There's some that's here every time the doors are open. There's some of the young people that's more faithful than the adults. Thank God for that. Hey, I believe that some of us adults can look to some of the young people and learn a little bit if we watch their faithfulness and their dedication to the house of God. I'm proud of them. I appreciate them. Hey, I think we ought to pat them on the back every now and then and give, give them an attaboy. You know what? It's very seldom that you get an attaboy at work, but when you do, it goes a long ways. But we ought to pat our children on the back and give them an attaboy every now and then and encourage them along the way. Thank God for our young people here at Union Valley and thank God for those that, that work diligently with them and, and are concerned about their, their spiritual well-being. But I want you to notice this. I, I believe that we ought to be uh, concerned about 
the future of our young people, spiritually speaking. Now you think about that. There's, there's, and I believe you know it's easy, it's easy to find fault, and it's easy to complain. It's easy to, to grumble and gripe about this or that, and it, it, it might be easy to, to complain and grumble about the young people. And, it, and you, think about, you think about how uh, it might be easy to complain about the, the ways of the school and the ways of the world and, and, and the way this world is going. We can always find fault, and it don't take long that we're going to find fault and we're going to find problems and we're going to, we're going to look and see the, the problems. But you know what? Instead of, of, of complaining about it, you, you know what? Anybody can look and see a problem. But what we need to do is look beyond the problem and see the solution. Don't complain about, about what the problem is, but let's look past the problem and let's see what the solution is and let's fix the problem and move on. And I thought, you know, I, I believe this. I, I believe that us as adults, Christian adults, I believe that we ought to shoulder the spiritual responsibility for the generation to come. How important it is that we hand down uh, the, the, the spiritual values, uh, the, the faithfulness of being in God's house and, and, and uh, dedicated and devoted in reading and studying the Word of God and be, being sensitive to the Holy Spirit of God. I, I, it's important that we hand those values down to the next generation. Now, there's... Several things I believe that Moses pointed out to these. Uh, we can go back from, I believe, chapter number 2 in Deuteronomy and, and, and all the way down through that, that Moses reminded him and Moses pointed things out and he showed uh, the people of the failures that they had done or they had, they had committed. But I want to share just a few of those with you. I, I thought about this. First of all, I believe in order for us to encourage or benefit the generation to come. Hey, I believe this. You think about going back, I believe it's in chapter number 6 maybe of Deuteronomy where Moses, he goes back and remember he sends out the 12 spies. I believe that perhaps we're afraid of opposition. You ever think about that? Afraid of opposition. And you remember when when Moses chose one person per tribe for each tribe, and they, you think about when Moses went down to Egypt, and he delivered those people out of there by the hand of God, brought them up out of bondage, he'd been there for 430 years, and how he, God delivered them out of there through Moses, and how the, he said, hey, you're going to the land of Canaan a place that flowed with milk and honey. He, he said that there's houses there that you don't have to build. There's vineyards there you, you don't have to plant. There's wells there that you don't have to dig. It's already there. You just go possess the land. And remember, Moses chose 12 men, one for each tribe, to go out and view that land. And you remember how many come back and said... We can't take the land. We're as grasshoppers. There's, there's giants in that land. We're as grasshoppers in their sight. There was ten men that come back and said, no way, forget it, we can't do it. 83.333% said, forget it, we can't do it. 17%, almost 17%. Two, two men said, let's go get it. God said we can have it. God said it's ours. All they had to do was cross the Jordan River and it was theirs. 
But because of their rebellion, because that they, they said no to the Word of God, they wandered in that wilderness for 40 years. There was a whole generation that had to die off for, in order for them to go and, and take that land. Somebody's estimated that from the time they left Egypt till the time it should have took them to get to the land of Canaan should have been around 10 to 11 days. So 10 or 11 days turned in to 40 years. Now here we're at here, here here we're at today. Now you think about this. You think about being being afraid of opposition. You know, I, no doubt that when we look when we look at the opposing force and we get our eyes off of the captain, that's where we fail. That's where we mess up. You know, it is impossible for me to keep my eyes upon the enemy and then keep my eyes upon the Lord at the same time. You know what I've got to do? I've got to get my eyes off of Satan. I've got to get my eyes off of the enemy and get my eyes fixed upon the Holy, upon the Holy God tonight and know that He is going to be able to deliver me through any situation that I come and I'm faced against. I can't look at both at the same time. If we need to look at any of them, we ought to look to the Lord. How about that tonight? And You know, I thought about this. Is it possible? Is it possible that this generation, my generation, has failed the generation to come because we're afraid of opposition? You think about it. You think about the schoolhouses today. You think about what they're trying to teach our children. It's okay. Uh, they're, they're trying to teach our children that, that there is no gender. You think about it. They're trying to teach our children that it's okay for two girls to be together. It's okay for two boys to be together. You think about it. You know what we ought to do? We ought to stand up against opposition in hopes that our children would have a better future, spiritually speaking. Hey, is it possible that we're afraid of opposition and we're failing the generation to come simply because we're afraid of that opposition. You think about it tonight. I, I think we need to publicly take a stand and, said enough, and say enough's enough. Anytime that the schoolhouses put a transgender in to teach uh, sex, sexual education, we ought to stand up and say, no way, we're not going to put up with it. Take a stand. You know what we, you know what we need to do? We need to pull up our big boy britches, pull up our big girl britches every now and then, and get a backbone like a saw log, and say, this has gone far enough. We're not going to put up with no more of it. This is the way it's going to be. You think about it. I, I don't want to depend upon the schoolhouses to teach my children. It starts right here. It starts right here. I'm, I'm responsible. Sarah and I am responsible for Andrew and Annabeth. I'm not going to leave it up to the schoolhouses to teach my children. Is it possible that we failed our children because we were afraid of opposition just like those ten men were? They failed the people. They failed... Uh, Do you think about that... that it's been estimated somewhere between two and a half to three million people that were Moses was leading. And how that those ten men failed because they said we can't go. We can't take it. Next thing I want you to notice is this. When we forsake God's Word, yes, sir. we're failing our children. Amen. When we forget about the Word of God, 
we're failing our children. We're failing the generation to come. You remember, I believe it's in chapter number 9 of Deuteronomy. You'll go back and I believe, I believe that's where it's at. You'll find where Moses went up on the mountain. And there he met with God. And God uh, inscribed by His finger, the Bible says, on two tablets, the Ten Commandments. And how that Moses got alone with God when he come down off of the mountain. I believe it was Joshua that met him and said, Oh, you're not going to believe this, Moses. You're, you're, you're going to be upset. And I believe what happened, you remember where Aaron, uh, Moses' brother, took the, all the gold and the jewelry of the women and he melted it down and made a golden calf. And there they begin. Now remember when Moses come down, the, 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 Bible, uh, the Bible says something about the, the music. But Moses said, what is that noise? Now let me just say this. There is a big difference between music and noise. And some of the, my goodness, you hear these vehicles going up and down the road and it sounds like the dash is going to vibrate plumb out on the center line of the road because of the, the, the music that they're playing. That's just a bunch of noise. We heard some good music here tonight. But Moses come down and he said, what is that noise? And Joshua told him, he said that your brother Aaron took the gold and he melted it down and made that golden calf and how that they were dancing around and they were worshiping that golden calf and, and how that, in other words, they were going back to the pagan days. They were going back to the, to the old days. They were going back to the days when they were in bondage. In other words, when Moses come down off of the mountain with the Word of God, he, he was basically, you think about it, here they had a, a godly man that was leading them. Here they had the blessings of God upon them. Here they had the Word of God and they said, that's not good enough. We're going back to the old ways. We're going to worship and serve the old ways. And how they danced around that golden calf and stripped down into nothing in their nakedness. And how the Bible says that Moses' anger waxed hot. And he got mad and he threw down the tablets and he broke the Word of God. Do you think about it? We've failed our next our generation to come because we've neglected the Word of God. You know, and you think about this. I thought about how often... Preachers leave the pulpit and leave the church discouraged because of the lack of re re response to the messages. You think about it. No doubt, no doubt that the man of God, a true man of God, spends a, a lot of alone time with God. A lot of, a lot of alone time in his closet, just him and God, and not alone time in the Word of God, studying and trying to trying to get a word from God, and how they get discouraged and how they get down and get disappointed when we when we refuse the call of God on our heart and our life, when we refuse and neglect the Word of God in our life how a lot of times they get down and get disappointed and, and, and a lot of times you don't know the times that, that I've left and just wanted to throw in the towel and that, that's it I'm done but thank God I've got a wife thank God I've got a church thank that I know bless His holy name I know there's been times that some of you has called my name out don't even know about it but I know that you have and it's lifted me up and it's helped me along the way and I appreciate that tonight but I believe we've got to be faithful to the Word of God and not neglect. You know what we need? We need some more Moseses to get back up on the mountain and get alone with God and get a Word from God and come down and stand in the pulpit and preach the Word of God boldly to the people. Bless His holy name. Not to neglect the Word of God. Not to forsake the Word of God. We need, if there's anything today that we need, it's more godly preaching. It's more King James Bible preaching. Nothing more, nothing less. 
That's all we need today is more King James Bible preaching. You know, you know there's a lot of people that they don't, they don't want Bible preaching anymore. They don't want to hear it. When it comes right down to it and you get in their tater patch and hoe a little bit, boy, they get, they get tore up about it and they'll leave the church offended by the Word of God. Now let me just say this. If I offend you personally for something I say that's outside of the Word of God, I've messed up. And I've got to go to you personally and make that right. But let me say this. If I come across with something that God has given me from His Word and it cuts you, that's on you. That's between you and the Lord and you work it out between you and Him. You remember, was it in Timothy, I believe, where Paul said that he warned him basically and said that there's coming a a, a generation basically, and I can't quote it word for word, but he said that there's going to be a time when people are going to heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. In other words, there's going to be a time when they, they neglect the Word of God. And they're going to say, well, I, I, I'll, I'm okay with this, but that, you can forget it. No, might as well just throw it out and get rid of it. We need more Bible preaching. We need more Holy Ghost-filled preaching. King James Bible preaching. There's, you, 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 can, you, you can sing and you can have all these uh, singing uh, services that you want, but there's nothing like good, Holy Ghost, God felt when the man of God rears back and just preaches the Word of God. There's nothing like it. Nothing like good Holy Ghost preaching. Now, you notice this. In chapter number 2 of Deuteronomy, you'll find that because of fleshly desires and fleshly lawlessness, if you will, the generation to come is going to suffer because of the previous generation. You know, in the Bible you'll find that in order for a man to have a wife, he would have to buy that wife or work for that wife. You remember uh, Jacob that worked, for, that worked for Laban and he kind of got deceived but he worked for what, 14 years to get two wives. I believe it was Samson that got a wife for a goat. Well, what a deal he got. Maybe until you got a good look at her. I don't, I don't, I don't know. But <laughs> Oh, boy. <laughs> but you know... Those men that would work for those women or they would give gifts or whatever for those women, if it come down to it, and when they had a relationship, if she had not kept herself, if she was not pure, biblically, he could go back and say, she, she lied, basically, and said, I want my goods back. You can have your daughter back. Go back to the... So you think about that. And you know that also, I believe it's in Deuteronomy chapter number 22, I believe it is, that fornication, you'll read that fornication, you know what they would do? If two men, or a a woman and a man was caught in the act of fornication, you know what they would do? They would take them out and they would heap stones upon them. And you know what that would do? 
that would show the generation to come that there are morals that we need to keep. There are standards that we need to keep. And, and you think about it, when they seen those, that man and that woman with the stones piled up on them, it said, hey, I don't want no part of that. Do you know what that tells me? That we've got to keep ourselves pure. Young people, you listen. Keep yourself pure. Keep yourself holy. Let me just say this. Uh, sexual relationship is meant for after marriage. Not any time before. After marriage. You think about it. And how, how would we be today if we would go back to the days of the Bible? How many mountains of stones would there be laying around this place? Oh my, you think about it. But you know, in, in 1 Corinthians, I want to read a couple verses here in 1 Corinthians chapter number 7. It says, Paul wrote here and he said, Now concerning the things whereof ye write unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife, and let every woman have her own husband. So here we see that, that God, I believe, uh, established, and uh, I believe He put the first marriage together. You know that God performed the first wedding. He brought Adam and Eve together. And that's how it's supposed to be, one man for one woman for a lifetime. When I stood before... Uh, my family and friends and Sarah's family and friends and before God Himself and I stood and we, we made the vows together. I said until death do us part. And that's exactly what I meant. There should be nothing to separate us other than death. And you think about it. Marriage is nothing more than a piece of paper to a lot of people. And in fact, they don't even consider marriage anymore. And you know what? That our, 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 our government and our, our system is set up to where even the marriages are, are hurt because of that. But you think about it, 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 it they get the, the better tax breaks and the better tax write-off if they don't even get married, but yet they're living together. We've, we're in a mess. It's backwards. In other words, society is telling them it's okay. Just you, you can do, they call it shacking up or whatever they call it today. It's okay. You don't have to get married. It'll be better. You'll be better off. But let me tell you, young people, it's better to get married. Better to get married. I would marry Sarah a thousand times over. Love that young lady, and I appreciate her. Thank God for the wife that he's that he's given me. You marriage is a commitment. We've got to be committed and sold out. In Hebrews chapter 13, I believe it is, it says marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. God will have the last say so on you. Now the last thing I want you to notice, I'll be done in just a moment. In chapter number 26, you'll find that Moses reminded the people about their failure to be faithful to the house of God. And how important it is today. And You know, you, you can look and see that the people had quit going to church. They had forsaken the assembling of themselves together. And I'm convinced today that I believe we're right in the midst of that. We look and see that how many people has just 
since in the last 14 months, 15 months, whatever it's been, and I understand that there, 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 was a, there was a fear there to begin with. Some of them said, well, we're going to wait this out and see what happens. And some of them said, well, when the doors of the church open, we'll be back. Hadn't seen some of them. Don't know where they're at. And you know what? It hurts. Because you've seen their faithfulness at one point. And now, where are they at? And you know, I thought about this. I, I thought about if what you've got doesn't get you to heaven or doesn't get you to church, how can we be sure that it's going to get us to heaven? Hey, I'm just asking for a friend. But you think about it. Being faithful to the house of God is important to me, whether it's important to anybody else or not. I intend for my family to be here every time the doors are open, if possible. I know there's times that we can't. There's times that, that we won't be able to, but I believe that we ought to put forth an honest effort in being faithful to the house of God. You think about it. I, I believe that... that you, how, how does the lights stay on in the house of God? Because of your faithfulness. How are the doors staying open on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights and Wednesday nights and, and during special services? How do the doors stay open and the place is clean? Because of your faithfulness. Thank God there's still a few. They're not going to quit no matter what. You know there's some that's out on the parking lot probably right now as I speak. They're there every time. Thank God for them. There's some that, that's on a Facebook that, that can't be physically in the house of God. Now I believe there's some that's probably there that can be. You take that for whatever that's worth to you. But I know that there's some that are there, that's watching that can't be, be there. You know what? They're watching every service. Thank God for them. They're being faithful. And I believe God will honor that. God will absolutely honor your faithfulness. We've got to be faithful to the house of God. You think about the generation to come. You think that this generation is responsible for the next. The spiritual well-being of the next generation. And it, you know what? It's an awesome responsibility. It's a great responsibility to think that we've got to hand down the things of God in hopes that in days to come, our children will have a place to worship. Our children will, will know what it's like for men and women to stand up and raise their hands and shout and, and run and praise God in the house of God, you think about it. It's important that we hand those things down. It's important that our children see those things in you and see those things in myself and not be afraid when the Holy Ghost of God sits right down in their lap and begins to stir and move and they give out that war hoop and they just shout and praise God. Hey, it's important that we hand those things down and that the children see it's okay for you to raise your hand and praise the Lord. It's okay for you to shout and praise God to the top of your voice. Psalm said, Let everything that hath breath praise ye the Lord. He's worthy tonight. We ought to praise Him. Would you stand with me? Andrew, if you're able, you come on back to the piano. Kelly, are you able to get us a song of invitation, please? I just want to encourage you tonight, church. If the Lord has spoke to you,
If the Lord is speaking to you, you use this altar tonight. You mind the Lord tonight. We need to pick up the responsibility of the next generation. I'm accountable for my children. And I'm accountable for the children that are here at Union Valley. And that's something that I don't take lightly. It's important to me. And it ought to be important to every one of us that has grandchildren, every one of us that has children. We ought to hold them dear to our hearts and and take on that responsibility that will be the spiritual leaders to the generation to come in hopes that they'll have that in hopes that they'll have that place of worship in hopes that they'll they'll see the things that God has done in our lives and know that the same God that's worked out those things in their in our lives will be the same God that'll meet with them